Also, we're looking in Luke chapter 10. We'll get turned on here properly in a moment. All right, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 10. And then I call our attention to one verse in Isaiah 40, if you'd like to turn there, please. I don't have three sermons tonight. I just want you to turn with me to these three passages. There's about ten verses that we trust the Lord will tie together this evening. And it's been a real joy to be with you again. And I quoted this morning where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. Times of refreshings come from His presence. Indeed, His presence is very refreshing here this evening. It's such a joy to hear our brothers sing, and what a blessing. We're grateful that God permitted us to be here this evening. Isaiah chapter 40, the last verse. I preached a series when I was in the pastorate on the Lord's Day morning for about, about three months, I guess. We were in that series, and I entitled the series, Standing on the Promises. Each Lord's Day morning, we'd find a promise that we could just sort of stand on. I brought a message up front entitled it, Understanding the Promises. And for us to be able to stand on God's promises, we must have an understanding of who He's speaking to and what God is saying to us in His promises. And I recall the Lord's Day morning we came to Isaiah 40 and verse 31. I entitled the message, God's Promise for the Weary. God's people at this particular time, they, they were losing heart. They were becoming faint. They were rather weary in their walk with Him. And after God called in their attention to Himself, He then said this to them in verse 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God says there is a way to overcome weariness. There is a way to keep from fainting. An end term we have today is burnout. That's the problem that's before us here in this text. Loss of heart. Loss of enthusiasm. Loss of energy. God says there is a way to renew your strength. You need not quit. Keep that in mind, if you would, please, in the book of Luke, chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter. There's a scene here that our Lord is in a home that I think was open to Him very much of the time when He was in that area. Verse 38 says, It came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. 
Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. He didn't say how many things had Martha troubled. Said she was careful. That's our word that we get our word uh, anxiety from. Martha is fretful. Martha's uptight. And she's troubled about many things, but our Lord says one thing is needful. One thing is necessary. He's saying, Martha, this one thing will actually take care of these many things that's troubling you. Mary hath chosen that good part, that is, that one necessary thing, which shall not be taken away from her. Then in Luke's Gospel, the 24th chapter, this is Resurrection Sunday, late in the afternoon, long toward evening, two disciples are walking to the little village of Emmaus. And a third one joins them, and they do not at this time recognize him. He engages them into a conversation. He begins to ask them questions. Ask them why they were so sad as they were walking along. Interest in words simply means expressing low spirits, unhappy, dejected, downcast. Then he begins to open the Scriptures to them, concerning himself. They get to where they're going in verse 28. They drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. They constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. He went in and tarried with them. It came to pass, as he said it meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. They said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened to us the Scriptures? They rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. They told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Let's bow for just a moment of quietness as we ask the Lord to take his word and as only he can, take it and speak to our hearts with it. I'm aware that preachers can preach and teach the truth, but only the Spirit of God can impart truth. You pray with me tonight that he will take his word and say to us just exactly what he wants to say. I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you stand with me, please, with our heads bowed and our hearts in just an attitude of prayer. This will change our position for a moment. You join with us, and would you just from your heart simply say something like this to him, Lord, I'm listening. Would you just give him permission tonight to say what he wants to say to you personally? I'm aware that God is sovereign, but he'll permit you to miss him tonight. If you choose not to listen, he may speak to that person beside of you, and you go away tonight missing God. So pray with us tonight. Just simply say, Lord, I'm listening. Open my heart. Father, we've already quoted the verse from thy word where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We understand that to mean where the Spirit is Lord, where he reigns, where he's in control. There's freedom. There's liberty. 
And we understand that it's not by might nor by power of man, but by thy spirit, saith the Lord. And I'm aware tonight that I can only be a blessing as you enable me. I know that. And I pray thee in Jesus' name to take your word and as seed may it fall into good ground and bring forth a harvest to the glory of God. Our Father, we've sensed you in power. What a blessing in the music. Our brother had your touch on him in power and it touched our hearts. And we're grateful. I pray now that you'll suit a blessing to every person in this room. You know us not only by name, but you know us by need. And I pray in Jesus' worthy name, just do that which is needful tonight. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I call our attention to an expression found in verse number 32. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked to us by the way and while he opened to us the scripture? Brother Ken started making mention a moment ago, first time he heard me preach, that I preached from this text. I said, Lord, don't let him give my sermon now before I get up there tonight. But I tried to spend some time this afternoon for his direction. And I said, Lord, I, I don't just preach a sermon tonight. I want a message from you. I want your word for us this evening. I do not claim to hear God audibly. I've never heard him that way. But if I can say it without being boastful tonight, he does at times. Speaks to my needy heart. By His Spirit, with His Word. Gives clear direction. I never bring a message like this on this topic or a similar topic without simply saying to the people, it's not so much a sermon or a message I can preach to you. I always share with you. God knows tonight that this message is a message that I need to come to regularly. The burning heart. It's a wonderful, descriptive way of talking about this new blessing these disciples had just received. Walking along to this little village, downcast, saddened, discouraged. And then the first one, I repeat, they did not recognize him immediately after he revealed his identity and then vanished out of their sight, they respond to each other by saying, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, while he walked with us, while he opened to us the Scriptures? What's it mean to have a burning heart? What is God what would he have us to understand from, I repeat, a descriptive phrase, a term like that? Paul would write to the young preacher Timothy and would say to him, stir up, stir up the gift that's within you. And literally, you students are aware, literally he said, he said, stir up those embers, fan the flame, keep on burning, Timothy. Don't let your fire go out, Timothy. 
preacher called me a few days ago, and I've been knowing him over 20 years, 25 years, I guess. He said, Brother Hurd, I have a burden. He said, it's concerning a mutual friend. We've known him almost as long. I've preached, I guess, at least 15 revivals for this preacher to call me. He said, Brother Hurd, I care not to go in detail other than just simply ask you, would you put on a prayer list with us? And he mentioned the preacher's name and he said, suffice it to say, I just want to mention this, that his fire is about to go out. I understood what he was saying. I later was in the area and visited with the brother and he said to me, Brother Hurd, I... I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I got you tapes for years when you was a pastor and I heard you say you could open your heart to someone that loves you and they wouldn't put you down. He said, I think you love me. And he said, not aware of the other preacher would call me. He said, I, I need to open my heart to you. He said, I never ever dreamed that I'd get, I, I would have gotten to the place that I, I'm at in my walk with God. He said, I don't really know how to explain it. Oh, he hadn't been out in wicked immoral sin, wasn't that? But he said, preaching is a chore to me anymore. His eyes were moistened. He said, I never ever dreamed that I'd, I'd get to place I don't, would wish for someone to show up and preach for me that day. Don't want to preach anymore. He said, please pray for me. The burning heart. Now for us to try to understand, uh, I think, what he's saying to us here, I think we would need to see the opposite of this experience. I mean, here after they've encountered him just beforehand, there's that sadness. They have no future. They said to him, we, if you let me paraphrase, we had hoped, that's past tense, no vision, no future. They're living in the past. They're defeated. And now the opposite of that. They describe it, God's Word calls it a burning heart. I want to make three simple, but I trust helpful suggestions tonight about the burning heart. And the first thing we shall notice is this. The burning heart here in our text was ignited by the Scriptures. Anytime we have a fire burning, it's not automatic. Fires don't start of their own. They have to have a source. There has to be an origin. And these two disciples, just prior to it, so down, so discouraged, now full of zeal, full of energy. Why, it's a nighttime scene, and they're seven miles from Jerusalem, but they can't wait till morning. they got to get back. They get up and take off over there and tell what's happened to them. When I pastored, I watched that carefully. I'd see people that was always bringing people and almost weekly we'd baptize folks that different ones would bring to the house of God and they'd get saved. But if they lost their fire, they quit telling the story. They didn't have a story to tell. There was a lot of defeat in their life. And here's two disciples. God has put their testimony on the pages of His infallible Word and He would have us to understand that the burning heart is ignited. It has its source in the Word of God. Amen. Jeremiah the prophet, he encountered such opposition. Jeremiah got to the place that he tells us about in the 20th chapter and the, and the, and, and the ninth verse of that 20th chapter of his prophecy. Jeremiah said he was so weary... 
He was so discouraged, he just said he was going to quit. Let me turn and just read that verse to you this evening. Jeremiah chapter number 20 and verse number 9. Then I said, I'll not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and could not stay. A little later in the 23rd chapter, in the 29th verse of his prophecy, he says this, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord? I tell you tonight, if you've been neglecting the source right here, the fire, your heart is probably cold tonight. I don't have to go two or three days uh, away from this book for my heart to become cold and a little indifferent. One day you'll do it. And here's two disciples on the road to Emmaus to this little village. They tell us that they had this experience of a burning heart and this burning in their hearts were ignited by the Scriptures. I was preaching in First Baptist Church well, uh, 50 miles west of where I live. This is being taped and I don't want to mention the name. And I was there in the church just a few months ago. It goes back, well, last, uh, early last spring, late in the winter. I've been going to a, a neighbor church there about 15 miles away. Been going for 20 years on a regular basis. Young preacher that got called to preach under my ministry in that area a few years ago, maybe five now. I noticed he came in at First Baptist up there on the first night and I thought it a little strange. He came in, had a seat back there, not because there wasn't any seats. There were plenty of seats, but he, he's normally right up here. And he came in uh, after service started and got him a seat. And he left while the last prayer was going. Not like him. Next night, he did the same thing. Wednesday night, he was in his service. Thursday night, he was on calling with his church. Friday night, he came back in the service. He came down here and uh, he spoke to me and I know him. I have said about him, one of the sharpest young fellows I've ever met. One of the most committed young fellows I know. One who has a great potential. God, I repeat, called him to preach about four years ago. He and his father, two of the largest builders in the city of Indianapolis. I mean, build the huge buildings. He moved out there 40 miles or so out of town and built him a home out there near the lake. And that ministry, that church out there reached him and he and his wife and oh, I tell you, he's been so useful, been so committed. You hear him talk and God talks through him. He said to me, what, three years or so ago, said Brother Hurt, about the first year after I, I got in, really gave my heart and life to him. He said, I got a hold of the concept of morning watch, quiet time, meeting God in the morning. He said, there is nothing affected my life like that. And he didn't mention this, but his dear wife told me, she called him a name, said he spends at least one hour every morning in God's Word with him before he ever goes out there at the job site. I repeat, just being around him, you sensed God. And the, and the man was in touch with God. But now he spoke to me that Friday evening. And he said, Brother Hurt, on the way out, there's an interstate runs past over there. He said, could you stop? And he named the uh, Hardy's restaurant. Over could you stop and have a cup of coffee or something with me? He said, I, I need to talk with him. I knew, he, I knew something wrong. And I stopped and he watched for my vehicle. And he knew how I took my coffee and he had it ready and he said, I want to sit back over here where we can be alone. And he said, Brother Hurd, I, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this about what that pastor told me. He said, if somebody told me some time ago, I, 
I wouldn't want to preach in my junior church or I wouldn't want to run my bus route. I couldn't have believed that months ago. But he said, I look for some, some way out now. I find myself making excuses on Saturday and, and doing things that could have waited and just not go calling anymore. And he said, oh, I, I don't want to let my preacher down. And I'm trying to save face, but he said, I'm sure they hadn't heard from God through me in junior church now for weeks. He said, I can't go any longer and I'm just going to open my heart to you. He said, don't spare my feelings. If you can help me, Brother Hurt, I know you care for me. He said, I just, I'm struggling. His own word, he said, it's got to be a drag going to church and the whole thing. There's no joy like there was. He said, can you help me? And I prayed as he was asking the questions and the first thing the Holy Spirit said, ask him. I said, how much time do you meet him with his word in the morning now? He didn't look up at me. He looked down. He said, that's the answer I needed. Oh, there's no way. I may be speaking to people in here. Oh, you guarded that quite time. You guarded the morning watch, I like to call it. You didn't let anything hinder. Oh, that hour, half an hour, 15 minutes, whatever time. I don't think one can tell another. But if we get out of the source, out of touch with Him through His Word. The psalmist said, while I was musing, the fire burned. Oh, we don't take time to ponder and to muse. Go over it. Meditate. Some of us so busy. And here's two people walking along. I wouldn't argue this point. We don't know only one of them is named. I, I somehow think that was a man and his wife. Went to the same place, same house, went in. And, and that's beside the point. But I think it's a man and his wife. And then they come back out and they take off back to Jerusalem and that descriptive phrase talking about that new zeal, that new energy, that new joy, that new devotion. They said, oh, our hearts are burning. And I, I, I suggest to you, it was ignited with the Scriptures. Number two, the second suggestion, and uh, I just mentioned it and I illustrate the third one. Three simple truths about the burning heart. Number one, it was ignited with the Scriptures. Number two, it was intensified by communion, by fellowship with Him. Spending some time with Him. Walking along with Him. And after they getting, getting to where they were going, notice I started reading in verse 28, they drew nigh to the village where they went. And He made as though He would have gone further. Now, He's not just pretending. He's not an intruder. If you don't really want him round your place, you won't find him at your place very often. He doesn't push the door in. I mean, if something else is more important than his presence, he won't manifest his presence around our place. So that's why I suggest this burning of heart. Number one, it was ignited by the Scriptures. Number two, it was intensified. Now, we're not talking about a spark. We're talking about a blaze, something burning. They spent some time with him. Look at verse 29. When he made as if he's going to go further, they constrained him. That is, they urged upon him. Translate other places as the word beseech. They besought him. Literally, they began to plead with him. Does it bother you when you don't sense him around your place? Does it bother you when he doesn't manifest himself in your classroom? 
When you meet as a fellowship of a church and somehow you sense His presence maybe is not as free, does it bother us? And we begin to, in our souls at least, begin to, begin to urge and plead with Him and say, Holy Spirit, manifest the presence of the Lord. They spent time, time with Him. They constrained Him. They urged Him. They said, abide with us. Oh, just before he went away, he's going to talk about how to be useful. He pictures us as branches. He's the vine. And he said it's essential for that little old branch to stay in touch, vital touch, to stay in communion, in fellowship with the vine, because severed apart from him, away from him, we can do nothing. And he's talking about fruit bearing there. Why some of us are empty and unfruitful and unproductive. It could be we've not been urging upon his presence and and cultivating and wanting and desiring the, the presence of the Spirit of God, making God's presence in our quiet time with His Word. That's why I read about Mary and Martha back there a moment ago. Martha was fretful. She came into His presence resentful, fretful, and she's even dictated to Him. She's resenting, she's fretting, and she's dictated. And she even, she says to Jesus, she said, don't, don't you care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Let me paraphrase. My sister's left all of this work for me. And she said, Jesus, don't you care? I got a sermon I used to preach years ago. I entitled it Trouble in the Kitchen. I saw someone's topic one time and I thought that'd be a good sermon topic. And uh, I preached trouble in the kitchen. Well, I was preaching down in the Birmingham area. And one lady evidently didn't like my sermon. She, she talked to me back there at the door about it. She said, uh, how can you be so sure that Martha was having trouble in the kitchen? Well, she came out of the kitchen. Jesus said she's troubled. Amen. And uh, that's not hard to figure out. And uh, she came in there fretful. And she came in there you let me say it, uptight. I mean, she says to Jesus, bid her, that is, send her out here, that she helps me. And our Lord's response was not, Martha, that's a good idea. I wish I'd have thought of it. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, Martha, Martha, you're troubled. You're anxious. You're careful. Many things, Martha, has got you uptight. But one thing, is needful, and your sister hath chosen. You know what she'd chosen to do? To sit at his feet and hear his word. How much time do you give him at his feet today, as it were? That's that an expression. That's a position of a learner. That disciple at the feet of that instructor. Yielding, submissive, giving oneself to that one they're learning from. And here's Mary at his feet, listening to his word. And Jesus said to Martha, as she's feverishly knocking things over and so fretful, said, Martha, Martha, you do well to follow your sister's example. Said one thing is needful and she's chosen that good part. And I like this, which shall not be taken away from her. Do you know you're building something into your life that'll be permanent? Oh, so many things is temporary. They don't last very long. But he said, here's something that'll be permanent. Here's something that's going to be, be something that'll become a part of her. She's listening to his words, spending some time. 
My third suggestion tonight, and you have this simple message. The burning hearts ignited by the scriptures, it's intensified by fellowship with him. And my third suggestion is this. The burning heart inspires ministry or activity, service. Here's two people. They, well, they had nothing to tell. They were too defeated, sad, downcast, no joy, no energy, no enthusiasm. Oh, you're talking about needing a promise. They need it. But after discovering who he was and opening those scriptures to him and spending some time with them and then leaving out of their presence, the reason I give this third suggestion, they get up. Notice, please. Verse 33, they rose up the same hour. Now, it's a night scene. When they were urging him to come in, they said, it's toward evening. The day's gone. It's, it's, the day's far spent. And he went in and they've had a meal. And I don't think I'm off base to just you. It's a night scene now. But they can't wait till morning. They get up in that same hour and return to Jerusalem. Keep in mind, it's seven miles. Someone said about this text, if you've got a burning heart, it'll make a seven-mile trip look like a city block. <laughs> I like that. Amen. Oh, I mean, they can't wait. A burning heart inspires ministry. You've got something to tell. You can teach a class. You can preach a sermon. You can sing a song. If there's a fire burning. So they go into the city. They get there. They find the eleven gathered together and them that were with them and they were saying, the Lord's risen indeed and appeared to Simon. Now verse 35, and they told, these two, they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Closing, let me ask you a question. I'm asking myself, how long has it been since you knew this experience of a burning heart? Well, how long has it been since you told the story to someone that there's a risen living Lord? See, we can just about accurately gauge the fire. Been a while since some of us told a story to anyone. We may not be humble and honest enough because it's painful to have to admit that we've gotten cold and the fire's gone out. But it's impossible to tell the story when the fire goes out. And you get a fire burning in your heart, and I tell you, you'd have to have lockjaw to keep them telling it. Amen. <laughs> sure, you don't have to beat people over the head to get them to tell the story if the fire's burning. I never just described it that now as a pastor trying to put people on a, on a, on a guilt trip and try to quote, end quote, make them go tell the story. They don't have a story even if they do go. That's just a symptom. The problem is deeper than that. The problem is the fire's gone out. Spurgeon used to say, if you keep the branch in touch with a vine, you don't even have to scold the branch. The branch just bears fruit. It doesn't produce the fruit. Some of us try to produce fruit. Oh, we're not to be, we're not to produce it. We're to bear the fruit. But some of us don't stay in touch. You know how he said we stay in touch? If my words abide in you, you abide in me. That's how we stay in touch. And there's where that fire comes from. I was in a church some time back. I've been going there. They had me there, what they call the home, homecoming week. And uh, I've been going there what since 1972, I guess. Maybe missed a year or so in the when I was in the pastorate, but I would go three days when I pastored. Our midweek was on Thursday, as hardly every week I didn't travel three days a week. And I was there, would it be four years this month there, 
homecoming is in October. And I, I brought a message. I entitled the message, The Kind of Heart God Wants Us to Have. And I took my text out where Solomon said, he said, keep thy heart, for out of the heart is the issues of life. And literally saying, guard your heart. And the imagery is a little village that, that little village is sustained by a spring of water. And all the enemy has to do to destroy the people is pollute the stream. And that's what he was picturing. He's saying what that spring of water was to that village of people. The heart is to us. And if the enemy just pollutes the heart, he'll destroy us. Sure is the world. So he said, keep thy heart. And I talked about the kind of heart God wants us to have. A broken heart. A believing heart. A burning heart. And I close with this text. Among others, a lady came and I heard her talk to the preacher back there at the door. She said, I never realized when Brother Hurt was talking tonight about guarding our hearts and keeping out hardness so we'll have a broken heart, keeping out fearfulness so we'll have a believing heart, keeping out coldness so we can keep a burning heart. She said, I never realized. And she's, she's emotional about it. Her heart's in what she's saying. She said to her pastor there at the door, I overheard her. She said, I never realized I was so cold. She said, I, I apologize to God. I asked God to forgive me. He said, I'm one of your teachers. I thought his brother Hurt preached tonight. No one has heard from God in a long time from me. My fire's been out for a long time. And she, she's broken standing there. I mean, it's obvious. She said, Pastor, would you forgive me? I said, I'm going home and ask my husband to forgive me. My husband is lost, as you know. And said, only God knows how long it's been since I had a tear of concern for my husband. And when brother Hurt was talking tonight about getting a broken heart, a broken heart, a broken and a contrite heart. God will not low-rate. He will not despise. He puts a premium on it. She went and talked to her husband. He told me about it. He said when she came in that night, they have two children. He said normally where he was at where she'd come in, he'd, she'd come to the, would be to the right, to the den area there, but said she, when the children stopped, he noticed she, she went on past and he said I could see when she was coming to the door that she looked like she's been crying. And he said, you know, when I looked and was aware that she has, know that she's upset. Well, he said, my wife never come home to church like that. And I thought someone maybe, you know, had bothered him on the way home. And I jumped up and I said, what, what's your problem? And, you know, you, you upset. He said, my wife said something like this. Honey, I don't know how to tell you this. I know you don't like me to talk to you about church and about God and about the Bible and so on. But she said, preacher, preach tonight about the kind of heart God wants us to have. And Talked about a burning heart of concern. A concern that burns, we called it. And she said, I, I haven't even cared for your soul. And I apologized to God. I apologized to the preacher. And she said, honey, would you forgive me? I'm a Christian going to heaven, but I haven't had any, any concern for you. Now, he said this to me. He said, normally I'd have said to her, hey, knock it off. We, we don't, I don't even let her discuss that. But his own words, he said, preacher, when I looked into my wife's face, and saw tears start freely down her cheeks. He said, I don't know how to explain it, but he said, I, I was embarrassed. I was moved to tears. said, there, there was something came over me. He said, I couldn't rebuke her while she was weeping for me. He said, I went to bed a little early. I was disturbed. He said, awakened in the night to realize she wasn't in the room with me. And I could hear, and he said, I, I got up with full intention to rebuke her and, and, and say to her, that you're, you're going too far. You're about to go off the deep end of this religion bit. 
He said, I went down the hall a couple doors and there she was, just the nightlight on, just where I could see. And she was lying on the carpet. And he's talking about after a midnight hour. And said she was calling my name in prayer. He said, I got back to my room, went to work the next day, couldn't get all that off my mind, came in, watched her and the children, which would have been Tuesday night. I was a pastor then, and I just traveled three days and said I watched them drive out, and they got to wind and drive and go out on the road. And he said, I kept wondering what's taking place, watched for them when they came in. Noticed she came in, and it's obvious she'd been in tears again. He said, Wednesday, I called her in the middle of the afternoon and said, I understand the service you're having that preacher's still there tonight? And she said, yes, this is last night. He said, what about me coming in a little bit early and going to church with you tonight? She said, are you serious? He said, never more serious in my life. Amen. Building is kind of a hand-shaped building like this. There's people here and people here. Right back to my left under a balcony area there sat that big, tall, handsome fellow, about 39, 40, sat there with his wife and two children. I preached each night to us as believers about revival themes. Started the invitation, great big tall fellow right out there he came up here and dropped on his knees. Preacher or the one of the deacons led him to faith in Christ. You know what he said after the service? He said, when my wife came home in tears and apologized to me for being cold and uncaring for my soul, he said, I don't want to put her down, but there had been times in the past she used to come home and he said, preach to me. She didn't say one word. She just said to me, I asked God to forgive me for my coldness. Now I ask you. I hadn't even cared enough for your soul to weep over you. He said, preacher, I don't want to be unkind to you, but I didn't hear a lot you said tonight. It wasn't your sermon. It was my wife's tears. Brought me to faith in Christ. It'll be the fourth year coming up. I was there the last time. Every, every year at the same time. He tucked me with a hand back there on a certain day and he said, I'm three year old today. <laughs> he said, it's been the best three years of my life. His wife was kind to me. She said, Brother Hurd, I appreciate you preaching that message about the kind of heart. And said, you, but you was a channel from God to my heart that night. And I had pointed out the verse, when we sow in tears, we reap in joy. How long has it been since we cared enough to weep over someone's soul? You see, if a fire goes out, oh, we can stay rather formal and very religious perhaps. But we don't have any ministry. It's the burning heart that inspires ministry. God can only work through us when we permit Him to work in us. See, He's more concerned about working in me before He tries to work through me. If I do not permit Him with His Word to be to me what He wants to be, then He cannot work through me to touch anyone's life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God's people in the moment of prayer. All over this building tonight, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. All over this building, our hearts now is just in a moment of waiting, I've come with what he brought to my attention tonight. Now, if you've known the experience of what God's Word calls a burning heart, and then you've lost that blessing, oh, tragic indeed is that loss. Everything becomes a chore to you.
Church is not what it used to be. Bible is kind of a closed book. Prayer becomes kind of weary and a chore to you. Visitation is just formal. No fruit of the Spirit in your life. No love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And you, we can fret. We can struggle. We can try. That won't bring it back. We've got to come to the source. There is no victory. There's another word sometime I use. The burning heart increases victory in our life. Oh, a sad, defeated Christian has no victory. And it's these disciples headed back with such, such enthusiasm. Now I've done what he told me to do. You've been very receptive, both services today. You made it easy for me to speak. I'm very hoarse, as I told you this morning. My voice is weak. I'm going to pray, Brother Ken, if he'll be so kind to take the invitation. However, God wants to him to extend it this first night of the Bible conference. I wish I could be with you. I was grateful for the preacher calling and asking me to come. I had the Sunday, but I wasn't able to stay with you through the week. My prayer that God indeed will cause hearts to burn this week as he opens his word. Tonight on this first night of the meeting will be an excellent time to get in. Our Father... We're grateful for your presence. We pray that you'll do exactly what you see is needed in this hour. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The pastor's taking the service this time.